0: Chaos and Culture, episode 15. This one is called Made for Viewers Like Who? With the question mark. The Unwritten Rules of Black TV, which that part we took from this article that was written in the Atlantic uh, by a woman named Hannah Georges. Mm-hmm. And uh, we put the link to that in the show description if you would like to take a look at that, which I encourage everybody to do so, because there's also some good links in there to some studies. And um, as I've told my guy Bemo here, I've been in the marketing study bag lately. So I definitely downloaded those. And uh they're pretty long, so I gotta I gotta take my time with them. They're about mm-hmm. like 80, 90 pages long, <laughs> but it's all about um you know the industry, and whatnot. But uh nonetheless, um as anybody who's been following the podcast, this particular podcast, Chaos of Culture, uh, you know, for episode 12, we had a conversation about black people in film and tv um gatekeepers cultural gatekeepers and those who get to say what black pop culture is what it looks like who gets to create it and um picking up from that we wanted to talk about this particular article i'm going to actually share my screen and I'll uh, well, let me put my phone on silent we'll start blowing me up um let me share my screen here this one particular article that i'm referencing
1: Is the Atlantic where think piece writers go to get paid?
0: I mean, if you're going to write, I mean, the expectation with the Atlantic at this point is, you know, as a reader, it's going to be pretty lengthy. Yes. You know, I remember the, the very first uh, Atlantic article I ever read was written by Ta-Nehisi Coates. Mm-hmm. And it came out. Did it come out right before? Would it come out after Between the World and Me? before before either way it was around that period when like he became a household name Mm -hmm. and that was the longest okay so that was in recent years at least Mm -hmm. that was the longest you know online article I'd ever read but I read it you know I don't have a problem reading any any long articles anything like that but it might be where people go to get paid because I mean it's long form like you're going from where everybody's doing blogs and, you know, short, few minute long, at the most, maybe a 10 minute read type of deal. But if you can write out something that could take people anywhere from 40 minutes to an hour to read about a particular topic, like you even are probably working towards eventually publishing a book, yep. uh, writing a book, if you haven't already done so, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, so Makes sense. That makes so, sense probably is where people go to get paid, get like paid, paid in other ways on top of beyond just, you know, writing on the internet. Right. But, so here it is. um, And again, I encourage everybody to go check it out. Uh, It's called Not Enough Has Changed Since Sanford and Son, The Unwritten Rules of Black TV. And I've even gotten some highlights going here because, you know, that's important. So, um, but we'll come back to that. I'm actually going to... Kick it over to you, Bemo. Oh, before we get started, because I'm jumping ahead. So, right. if for those who may not know, we've decided well, not even we decided, but we made a, a, a collective decision <laughs> to partner up. So, Bemo is officially a co host on the uh, Chaos of Culture podcast, which I'm uh-huh. very, very happy he said yes. Um, I heard uh, you know, the people who said, you know, yeah, yeah, you and you, you and the brother, they all should- Y'all should link up. Y'all should do like really do it together. And I'm like, you know what? I would be down for that. If he's down for it, I'm down for right. The people were <laughs> correct. <laughs> so you're going to see both of us now going forward, um, along with any, any guests, anybody who would love to come on the show, um, and talk more about different things, whether it's things that they created or their thoughts on, um, what's happening within the culture. Um, because, um, we definitely take the, the phrase for the culture very, very seriously and want to make sure that whatever we're doing is not mm-hmm. just barbershop talk, but as I stated in the in in the, the, the post I put up on Instagram, you know, I want, want y'all to think blueprints and frameworks. That's you right. Know? That's right. But that's right. Still, you know, something a conversation you like to engage in at the barbershop, the hair salon, the street corner, wherever, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so yeah, so Bimo, you got anything to say because I've been talking for the past few minutes.
1: Man, I Geronimo, I want to thank you for welcoming onto welcoming me onto the platform. Uh, mm-hmm. which is so, it's so interesting because I consider you my podcast OG. And so to okay. like join forces with my OG and so that we can create like a uh, more blueprints and more frameworks. I love how you frame that because that's just my yeah. thought. We need new mm-hmm. blueprints as it pertains to our culture. If we're doing it for the culture, why? What is the source? And uh, as we, you know, as a profession, I already do cultural analysts and then i have my own show wake and bake with bmo where we do some cultural analyzation as well but i feel like what will separate uh me from those other places is that here you get a little bit more prepared BMO, like the the studied, the well-read, not just barbershop opinion perspective, which is mm-hmm. like most of what I'm doing throughout the day, but like something studied, something with the stats, something. I love that you're bringing up marketing um, white pages already because like it's something that I reference often outside of just, you know, random pop culture references. So it's, it's, it's great to be on the show, Geronimo. Thank you for having me. And I am very much looking forward to Building new frameworks and new blueprints with you and the people that we interact with. I'm sorry I missed the black food do, but I am excited (laughs) about going forward. Bertrand, bring that that ass to the front, not playing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I definitely hit up Bertrand. Um, and uh hopefully he'll definitely get back to me wanting to do the podcast so we can do a part two of episode 12. Um, because um definitely would love to get uh, his perspective and um, as the writer of that particular article on, on current affairs and whatnot. And um, as far as um, KJ uh, the, from the episode from the, the other day, we were talking about mm-hmm. um, black food culture. That was a, like a last second thing, so I was it like, "He worked out. He worked out. It worked out." And yeah. you know, I know you got a lot going on during the day, so I was like, "Yeah, let me just do this."
1: <laughs> and no, it's all, it's I all out real quick. The, the, the interesting about KJ is that I studied him. Um, mm-hmm. for the some of the cultural analyst work that I do, and I get paid for, we studied him, and for a moment, what was really popping was black food anthropology, and it seemed yeah. like he was leading the movement to that with the black uh, the black food Friday. So it was great to see that y'all had that conversation because food, talking about culture, um, mm-hmm. food is such an important part of of who we are and how we're represented. Uh, and one of my favorite questions, which is not what we're talking about today, is can we eat fried chicken in public? So to see that you did food anthropology, it fits right in with the with the chaos and culture. And I am excited, Geronimo. I know the people, <laughs> they look at you and like, this man is real cultured. Like, look, he's just suave. He's into the streetwear. He's got the great voice. You're real calm. Yeah, you know I mean, you got the real calm tone. I came to bring the chaos.
0: Yes, okay? Yes, I came yes. to
1: shake it up. <laughs> and, and choose violence appropriately. Appropriately. Yes, like France, but chose violence appropriately,
0: appropriately, intentionally, but not disrespectfully. Precisely, unless Precisely. you disrespect us first, and then
1: you know, right, and then you, gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta like come with the guns
0: blaze. Right, yeah, man. we got we got to come back with the hands right. and everything. Right. So, all um, right, so, take so, a
1: moment. Should we take one moment? I just, I actually, I want to put this on wax. Should we take okay. a moment to maybe discuss who our our dream interviewee guests would be. We talked about somebody on the phone. Wow. Uh, (laughs) uh, But while you were talking about Bertram, I actually thought about somebody else. Uh, So I think a a very good guest, a very dream guest, not that I really like this individual, but I would love to see us have a conversation with Madam Candace Owens. I would love to see it happen.
0: I'm down for that. Look. Yes. So, I follow quite a few uh people on Twitter who identify as black conservatives um, okay. some are registered republicans some are not some are just you know they are independent like and but they are they identify very much conservative um i've had um i've had uh the brother who does um black guns matter uh who runs that that organization uh maj tery I've had him on the podcast last year. Um, uh-huh. and I actually wanted, I wanted to have him on when we was, I was still inside of, um, full service radio, Yeah, you know, mostly for, uh, not, let me not say mostly for optics, but part of it was for optics because mm-hmm. I'm like, they going to come in here and just people going to see him in his black guns matter t-shirt and That's people right. will be like, what the hell is going on at the
1: line hotel? <laughs> A black man in the line Hotel with a black guns matter shirt. Yeah, you would have disrupted Geronimo.
0: Y'all have yes. disrupted. Yes, a bearded black man with locks and who's who's cut up and everything and look like and he knows about guns. What is going on? We're <laughs>
1: not safe.
0: <laughs> so, um, but we had him on and um, I enjoyed that conversation a lot. There's many more like I want to talk with um, um, I don't, she she's so many things she wears so many hats but she is a a, a conservative political um uh comment commentator um mm-hmm. for herself and on um Sirius XM's uh Patriot uh, radio station Sonny Johnson mm-hmm. and you know she's always bringing Hill to the Republican Party to establishment conservatives establishment black conservatives um and but I learned of her a few years back um several years back actually because um she was doing um she was just on she wasn't on um Sirius XM just yet um she was like the 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 alternative black voice on Breitbart and her whole thing was you know mixing um conservative intellect with no was it conservative what was her tag because like conservative intellect with hip-hop culture and so she'd be up there quoting rap lines rap lyrics and everything I'm talking like you know when she's like She's probably like, you know, my age, maybe a few years older. So she quote, quoting all the 90s, early, early two uh, thousand shit. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And like the, the parallels she was drawing. And that's what really, once again, got me, reminded me of just how like yo, black people are really conservative, you know, might not be Republican, but definitely very conservative. Very
1: conservative, right.
0: So we really would like to talk to her. Uh, I want to talk to the brother, um King Randall, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. who, who operates the, the X school for boys in Albany, Georgia. I would love to talk with him. Yes. Definitely would love to talk to him because um he's not getting nearly enough, um, press in the way that like I don't think enough people know about him that should especially not enough black people because he should I, I mean he's 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 pushing through like regardless of whatever amount of support he's getting but yep. he could he could be fully funded like it should every like speaking of like conservatism within conservative ideals within hip hop any, just one rapper could fully fund whatever he needs funded, like, like that, Hmm. easily, Hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, you know, you know, but I let it talk to him and, and, you know, my, you know, my goal, as we, we've talked about the other day is, um, you know, this collaboration, I not only think that it will help our individual efforts, but I think it'll help just overall push the show forward. Yep. And um uh, you know maybe we could cut through, man you know and, and get yeah. some more awareness, get some more listeners, you know and um because I believe we both have 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 a message to get out mm-hmm. and, and a perspective that you're not getting in a lot of um mainstream black uh, media podcast shows, things like that, you know I
1: understand. yeah, definitely. I will say that um as I was watching Charlemagne the God's God's honest truth this morning, the age of the black culture analyst is among us though, Geronimo. So as mm-hmm. we are as we are trying to cut through uh, the threshold and statistic wise is low. I mean, what do they what did Charlamagne say the other day? You only need a thousand listeners a month to be in the top three percent of all podcasts. Um I'm i believe at 125. I don't know what you got, but we halfway there. That's what I feel like.
0: <laughs> I gotta check my analytics. I don't be I don't even check my analytics on nothing no more. I'm just like, whatever. Nope. Um, I just I just keep putting the work out there. I I say if I could get a hundred thousand total loyal supporters, period. Mm-hmm. That's you're doing damn. I'd be doing damn good. I'm not even looking at like millions and all nope. that, like that'd be great to have millions, nope. but Hundred thousand, like solid, loyal supporters. Yeah, I be, I be, I would be ecstatic. It
1: it came to my attention, and we can definitely move on to the subject after this. But it came to my attention yesterday that there are people that we know who are averaging like five to ten thousand views on their story. Did you know that?
0: Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. No, I'm not surprised at all. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because I realized a long time ago that I am, when it comes to the degrees of separation, I am one degree from. I mean, if we could just limit it to just black celebrities, I am one degree away from just about any black celebrity, right, right, perhaps right, right. that I wanted to. I, w- I w- would. I would want to meet. Um, and then when it comes to influencers, like you know, you and I, we know influencers personally. We do. We do. You know what I mean. Um, like, I know I can't even, the list is long, you know? Um, and so to know that there's people who may or may not have blue checks, but still are averaging five to 10,000 views on their stories, like that's not surprising.
1: Here's why, here's why it surprised me. Cause okay. I see the events and the content that these people create. And I see the real life engagement and mm-hmm. it's lower than mine. It's lower than yours. It's lower than the Washington Informer Bridge Podcast Network. But yet, here we are. I average about 102. Here I am averaging 102, sold out shows, podcast got views on it, 45, 50 people on the morning show. It just amazes me how well we can do with so little. And I think with with podcasts and conversations like these, it is Mm -hmm. about the impact that we make on a nuanced audience. So that 100,000 people, that might be all 100,000 conscious black folks who are on YouTube from the hours of six to eight. That might be every last person on the planet that's on narrative. But if we can permeate and set ourselves apart, not only in quality, but in our outcomes, I think we'll do more than fine. And you and I are skilled, um, which I don't know if skill really means any much to Gen-, Gen Z. But when the trend comes back that skill is priority, we will be at the top.
0: Well, media skill is important to them, for sure.
1: Ah, it, ah, you got Gen- to know how. To, we are not you, talking about what we're talking about. Who in, we Gen Z, who in Gen Z is a great interviewer?
0: Go. I'm talking about in promoting what they got going on, like, and using these different platforms and whatnot, like, I'm not even trying to, I'm not even trying to figure out how to use TikTok to make it appealing, like, but it's one of my new favorite social media sites. I love (laughs) seeing, I love seeing regular people cutting up. That shit is hilarious to me, seeing some of the shit people, it's just regular ass people cutting up, funny (laughs) as shit. I love it. I love it. I love people ain't up here fronting like they more than what they are and loop, loop, loop. like, yeah, there's TikTok tock influences, but mostly what you see on there, you look on that for you side of it, mm-hmm. it's just regular ass people from all over the place just cutting up. You know, I love it, you know. But <laughs> last, 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 last point because okay, I know go, people are like, yo, we're gonna talk about this topic, we're we gonna talk about the topic, but right. you know, this is this is a special episode because this is the uh, first official episode of us as a duo. So mm-hmm. give us, give us, give us some grace, people, give us some grace. Um, I would love for, you know, what we do, uh, to get a cross section of people who include, um, people who are into, um, the Breakfast Club, but maybe just like, I don't know, do with this show. It's not what it used to be. Exactly. Um, By the way, by the way, um, if you get a chance, if you can find a a, uh a video clip of when Ray J called up to the the breakfast club and was going in on uh on a fab yes and just look listen to the energy that huh ye envy uh uh charlemagne had compared to now like that was 10 years ago and mm. just how the whole the whole tone and, and vibe and energy of the show is just like it's something else now but a cross section of you know a portion of those listeners a portion of listeners who are tuning into narrative and um and you know in class with Car every Saturday and a portion of Black Power Media listeners like get a portion of all those people mm-hmm. that's like the perfect that's like the perfect audience to me anybody else that's like I said it's a bonus but just idealistically things like that um all right but um let's get to let's you, get to it um also did you uh look up the uh, definition of heterodox yet? do you do yeah no i didn't (laughs) i didn't okay let me let me let me because we would talk about this on the phone about how i'm i know i'm gonna get hit with being called heterodox i consider myself being called heterodox so for anybody who is not aware or has not heard the term heterodox um i say it's um it is nuances um A profane cousin, so not conforming with accepted or orthodox standards or beliefs. Mm -hmm. That is what heterodox means. All right, so it's not that bad, but people like you know like to take shit out of proportion. But um, all right, so back to this article. So let me. Oh shit, I gotta share the screen. Here we go. Chrome. All right, so back to the article. Um unwritten rules of black tv things have changed have not changed much since uh sanford and son so um one of the first highlights i made here um references a couple of those um those uh studies that i was talking about so today as more networks and streaming platforms ad- advertise the black shows they've lined up you'd be forgiven for thinking that every month is black history month It is tempting to believe that Black performers and writers now have a wealth of opportunities, including wide creative latitude for those who make it to the top. This era of, quote unquote, peak TV in which the entertainment landscape is saturated with more high quality series than ever before has been a boon in some respects. According to data collected in UCLA's 2020 Hollywood Diversity Report, an annual study of the entertainment industry's progress or lack of it, nearly 10 percent of lead roles on TV were filled by black actors likely the closest the industry has ever come to proportional representation which would be about 13 mm-hmm. percent. all right and then the next paragraph um it talks about how um despite you know the strides that figures like shonda rhymes and kenya barris um shonda rhymes of course of Grey's anatomy scandal how to get away with murder fame and as well as bridgerton on um netflix if anybody's watched that um Kenya Barris are blackish blackish and, and whatnot. Excuse
1: me. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry. Oh, go
0: ahead, go ahead. Go yet ahead, go for ahead. all these strides that figures like Rhymes and Barris have made, the power in the television industry will rest still rest mostly in the hands of white executives. Mm. The UCLA Diversity Report revealed that less than 11% of broadcast scripted show creators, less than 15% of cable scripted show creators, and less than 11% of digital scripted show creators come from any underrepresented racial group. These groups taken together make up roughly 40% of the U.S. population. At Netflix, for which Rhymes produces shows and Bears did until recently, only 12% of scripted series creators are people of color. This from a study commissioned by Netflix itself. (sighs) Lastly, according to a 2017 survey of the industry as a whole, 91% of shows are led by white Mm showrunners. Too often, as Henderson put it to me, it's still white people determining what the black experience is and then hiring black writers Mm -hmm. to authenticate it. So... Thoughts on that, uh BMO? Geronimo,
1: I think the question that you are asking me is, am I upset with Issa Rae? <laughs> um,
0: I think that's the question. What's gonna I wasn't gonna, gonna bring like, up I wasn't gonna bring up insecure till later or no, issa Rae till later, me. but go ahead. Call them by their name. I'm with Monique.
1: If we're not calling out names, we'll leave it on the playground. <laughs> I think we are saying, are we upset with Issa Rae? And this paragraph, as I'm getting ready to get a little spicy with you, this the two paragraphs explain to you why I do have a problem with Issa Rae. Okay, and the and I'm saying that because it's I'm saying the problem with Issa Rae to get y'all niggas' attention, but that's not necessarily the problem. The problem is still the lack of representation as it comes to ownership and leadership in Black-controlled content in the entertainment business. That's the problem. But in order to get your mm-hmm. attention, I'm going to say, I'm upset with Issa Rae because I feel like in this moment right now, when you're getting $80 million deals to do five-year creation, content creation, Issa Rae, Jamie Foxx, uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, these individuals, I feel like, should be striving towards something more sustained. And what we have is a direct representation of those two paragraphs. We have least independence as it pertains to our entertainment. It is 100% least independence, meaning execs, the people over these big conglomerates will give you the room, the creativity, and the budget to do what you want to do. But at the end of the day, if you are outstretching their expectations, if you are going beyond what they're comfortable with, regardless of your success, they will let you go. And the main Mm -hmm. example we see that is with Misha Green's Lovecraft Country. Lovecraft Country is a canceled television show that swept up at the Emmys. How does that make sense? It's because they gave Misha Green the money, the time, the energy, all the independence and trappings of independence to look like she was independently running her show. But at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, don't work black owned lots that wasn't a black owned studio those weren't black owned execs this is not even black money right so what i feel like the isa rays and the donald glovers and the jamie foxes should be doing it doesn't look like taking these 80 million 90 million hundred million dollar deals to do long-term content creation what it looks like is tyler perry and i know and honestly 50 cent and i know niggas don't want to look at these individuals and say this is the blueprint. This is what we should be doing. But Tyler Perry shows BET is built on Tyler Perry,
0: mm-hmm.
1: his studio, his space, his time, his money, his effort. Even if the shows don't have three million people watching them, he is completely controlling the the most popular shows on the Viacom network with his own money. It's not least. It's all his. And on the music, if we were talking about music, we'd be like, oh, we need to fight for independence and ownership as it comes to our art. But would you, how sad would you be to realize that Insecure is partly owned by Time Warner? How does that make you feel?
0: So it, I'm glad you brought that up because I, 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 I decided, let me look up the number of um, Black-owned streaming sites that exist. Right, and I'm um, gonna I, I, I say that this is necessarily an accurate, accurate number, but it, I got a list of um, 13 different uh, sites. Okay. Um, one, a couple that people might know um, offhand, Quality TV. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. A lot of people are familiar with that one. Uh, what else? Uh, Urban Movie Channel, uh-huh. uh, Urban Flicks, You know, yeah, but there's a ton of TV. there's uh, uh-huh. Art House Digital, Brown Sugar, Black Box Movies, Black and Sexy TV, Own Keep App. American Legacy Network, AfroKids.tv, A yeah. TV, Black World Cinema, Congo TV Network, Afroland.tv. Um, I even learned of another one by hold on, let me see. I just I just followed it today. And um let me go back. Uh, and as
1: you look that up, you named two black billionaires.
0: Unscripted TV.
1: Mm. This is another one, and oh, it's actually you, know, you forgot. You forgot one. You who's that zeus, you forgot the zeus network
0: oh yes zeus 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 i meant to look up zeus to make sure like it was still because I, I is zeus still black owned? Did, did they that's get Jocelyn.
1: network right i don't know
0: did, did they get caught up in some kind of buyout or something some kind of merger or something
1: you know you keep you look and i'm gonna look at the same time
0: okay but nonetheless um in that question while you looked at um i'll finish with my point um what would it take? And We all know what... Um, really? We all know what, uh, what happened. Zeus
1: is partly owned by... Uh, you know that nigga D-Storm?
0: Nah, the content creator?
1: D-Storm. D-Storm Power is a content creator that came up on YouTube maybe like 10 years ago. You catch him in okay. a couple of skits like on IGTV or on your reels. But that's interesting.
0: So huh. it's still black owned. Yes. At the end. Of, okay. So yeah. Zeus, we add Zeus to that list as well. And like I said, unscripted TV, which is actually um, the the founder of that is based in DC. Oh. Uh yeah. yeah. Um Nigerian American sister. Um so um so yeah so, naming all these different networks, these different streaming sites that are black owned, right? Uh-huh. Um, I wonder. I'm also gonna mention Byron Allen in a second too, but um. I wonder what would it what would it take if for black people who are prominent film or TV producers, writers, whatever, you know, to lend their influence, their money, their time, all the above, um, to one or more of these different sites, you know, um, or even just a potential merger for some of them, you know, just you know, bring some of these together, make fewer so people won't be like, where do we go? Where do we go? You know what I mean? Like to create, you know. Enough of the, a market share for mm-hmm. content, um, for um, for black produced, directed, led content, um, on in one in like you know, like a large market share, mm-hmm. um, or even a partnership, you know what I mean? Like, don't reinvent mm-hmm. the wheel, even though we know sometimes you're like, oh, I'm starting my own network, okay, cool, whatever. But what would it take for that, you know what I mean? Um, because even thinking about, I thought about Black Planet, you know, in the early days of social media and how many black people we were on black planet and you know despite you know where black planet is now and how you know it, it still exists but you know of course it's not, right. it's it's not the place to be but it was like it had our attention it had our attention and then you know other sites come along that had you know more more funding mm-hmm. um and were able to capture larger market share and capture our attention when what would it take attention became a a, a a a a big thing on the internet right you know but thinking about just the amount of um the amount of uh, of 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 support and use and 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 again attention and market share into in our minds the places in our minds yeah that black planet hill i feel like the same thing could happen with these um with these these independent streaming sites if they had um but the same thing can happen in terms of getting our attention and holding our attention, but in terms of longevity and staying power, I think, of course, if they had, unlike um, Black Planet, if they had the funding and and time and influence put into them by people who are already in the industry, who are working at these high levels, you know, perhaps there could be something that could happen where okay, we can we can we can we can really do something if you get what I'm saying.
1: Yes. So uh, so
0: when you ask a question about, you know, are you okay knowing that um, Time Warner partly owns Insecure? You know, a show that is one of few shows with a predominantly Black cast that gets it right in terms of... Uh, in the same way that like a show like A Different World did in terms of, like, including people from different... Black people from different socioeconomic backgrounds mm-hmm. and... It not feeling like a forced type of a uh, 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 show. Like the storylines yeah. on both Dif- a Different World and Insecure feel very organic, um, and accurate in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? They so, do. but still, yeah. you know, Carson Werner owns uh, <laughs> uh, and Carson Werner NBC own a Different World as much as Time Warner HBO own. Sure do. Know, a portion sure of do. you know that show of Insecure. Mm-hmm.
1: So you asked me, the question was... Um, what would it take? What would it take? So and, is I took, that e- I took, and is that even I,
0: something that people want to do? So
1: I... Okay. Yes. The uh, the stats that we read just now from the article were 91% of Black shows are still controlled by white people. That mm-hmm. is that is a crazy thought. Mm-hmm. 91% of shows are still controlled by black people. So then what would it take for us to- White people.
0: It's still led by white showrunners. White, oh, yeah. white
1: showrunners, excuse me, excuse me. So what would it take for us to grab that back? And then also, what would it take for us to make popular these these distribution services, these streaming services? It's interesting that in the service that you read, I heard the name, you didn't say their names, but I heard the name of two big I heard Bob Johnson's UMC and I heard Oprah's own. Both Mm -hmm. of them are doing fine. I have a friend of mine. His name is Brian. He does a show on UNC. Don't ask me to name what it is, but I think it's like the number two show on UMC. They're averaging 385,000 viewers a week. Mm -hmm. And I think that's phenomenal. Own as well. This morning, I was having a conversation uh, with one of my directors for a music video coming up, and she quoted Mm -hmm. Queen Sugar as a visual icon as it comes to black shows. Black TV shows are happening on a week basis. I would Mm -hmm. imagine that the shows at UMC, who are head by Bob Johnson, and the shows at Own, who are headed by Oprah Winfrey, those are the 9% of shows that aren't being controlled by the 91% of Black shows and, of course, the other shows that are happening on these Black streaming services. I think here's yeah. an interesting point, point. and I, I did this when I was doing research for YouTube. If we're talking about authentic Black content that is
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, uh, destined to reach a majority Black audience, you said a stat that I think people often forget. We are only 13%. We are only 13%. So to judge Queen Sugar on the same scale that you would judge, this is us, is ridiculous. Not only because it's on the own network, it's because the demographic of the people who are watching is so much smaller. So if you have 385,000 black people watching a show and there's only 13 million, what, 30, is it 13 million? Let's say it's 100 million people in America. It's only 13 million black people in there and we're watching- 300
0: million people in America.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what's that? Three hundred plus thirteen times three is twenty-six. So it's thirty-nine. Yeah, so
0: easy, easy math. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So about thirty-nine million black folks. If ten percent of us or one percent of us are watching a show every week, that is way different than three hundred thousand versus three hundred million. Meaning, mm-hmm. uh this is and this is also my favorite take about the WNBA. If we had targeted ads for black demographics during these shows they would be more impactful than the general ads that we would see on NBC. If there is a hair glue commercial during OWN, and I don't mean to stereotype my people, but if there is a hair glue commercial during OWN, that's going to hit more than the McDonald's commercial during the Super Bowl. Well,
0: they're going to save that for um VH1 and Loving Hip Hop and all those shows.
1: And that's fine, but... That's fine. But we talk about what would bring us back. I think it's yeah. I don't want to just blame
0: us for going
1: to places to have money. What would have us there would be uh, uh, honest opportunities and honest opportunities coming from the market and in, in demographic and success on what that success looked like in the market. Can we be judged based upon ourselves rather than based upon a majority that we will never be? I think that would lead us, that's what gets Bounty's attention. It's not the fact that like, oh, you had 200 million people watching. No, we had 40% of a demographic watching this one show. Mm -hmm. Bounty, give us the commercial with the black lady in there. Cool, now we have money for OWN. The second part of the money conversation is, it's interesting that, and maybe because it was Bill Cosby, we weren't able to live out that full dream of maybe what's, what, the final outcome of different world and the Cosby show were on a systemic level. But it's interesting that Issa Rae and the Donald Glovers and the Jamie Foxes are, are building money on these other lots. Issa Rae and Donald Glover are on the younger side. So I would be curious to see if they take the money that they have made from these deals. And then they parlay that into Studio spaces, systemic spaces, so that they can be black showrunners, or they can involve black showrunners uh, on a systemic level, as an institution within Hollywood, rather than always coming from, as I speak, my entrepreneur language, always coming from the contract level. I'm on a contract to do eight years, so I can only got you. I only got you, Molly. You can only do your special while I'm here. Whereas if I have my own studios, we can record your special anytime. I could put you out anytime. I got the connects anytime. Um, so that's what I would say is the uh, the solutions to how we get back to or how we get to, I don't know if it's even back, but how we get to black dominated content is that we got to take the money that we're using from these least independent spaces and flip it into our own systemic places. But at the same time, we must look at these advertising companies and these and these uh, people who judge how much money to give based on an ad, how much money to give based on success. We need to re, uh, what's the word, re-operationalize what black success looks like in black media.
0: Okay. So your response leads me to my next question. Okay. Have some black people who've gotten the bag in media settled on the potential reality of black people never holding a majority stake or getting paid comparably to their white counterparts in the industry. For example, you know, you know what the thinking may be, well, what we got isn't the same them over there, but it's way more than what we had before. I'm all right with that. Cause I I think about that in a lot of these, you know, equal, equal pay conversations, you know what I mean? It's just like, well, People keep entering into this industry, and we're just going to talk about media entertainment. We're just going to talk about media entertainment, specifically television right now. We maybe even film, but definitely television. Um, we should even media too, you know, um, journalists, radio shows, whoever. Um, people keep going into it for the love of something. Obviously, we know, like, it. it's probably much easier to become a doctor or an attorney than it is to become a <laughs> successful, right. well-paid a uh, person in the entertainment industry um but you know i wonder if because even though people have a love for this this industry and continue to move, go into it um they know though that the chances of me making as much as my counterparts there there's, there could be some discrepancy there you know what i mean and the ch- the chances are 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 slim you know so i wonder if the just even though you get these articles, black people get paid X amount less than their white counterparts. Like, obviously I would think, well, maybe it's just, if we want, if I feel like this, and this might sound like super, you know, black nationalist or something, I don't know, but whatever, or even bootstrappy, I don't know, but I think you'd be, I honestly think at this point, if, if it's going to continue to be we just gonna get less than our counterparts in the same industry, right? Um, we might as well focus our attention on, you know, some of these independent streaming sites, or focus on, you know, what can be done to, you know, now you might not have the the, the money to start your own uh, Tyler Perry Studios, uh, but you might have the money it to or the the the, the brain power. To come with together with some people, I know people get all weirded out now when people talk about collective, um, you know, um, group economics and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But in the industry, I'm not talking about doing something that for like a political scale. That that's some. I'm talking about just some entertainment media. Instead of there being 15 different streaming sites, why can't there just be you know a few like like there's NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox. You know what I mean? Why can't there just be, you know, the big four, um you know, black network? And I know people also don't want to limit themselves. Like, well, I don't just want to have to do the black stuff, you know, which you see with Shonda Rhimes. Shonda Rhimes has done an excellent job. Like, yeah, I am the black show runner, but you see that I have a diverse cast of people on all my shows. Like, Bridgerton, I think, is the, the biggest one. I think she might have even kicked off the trend of, in these period pieces, we're gonna show a racially diverse cast doing doing in parts and in, in in roles that in his that are historically inaccurate, but in terms of like racially speaking.
1: <laughs> was that her or was that puck ass Lynn Miranda? <laughs>
0: Okay, maybe, yeah, maybe Lemon Random. No,
1: no, you know, it was Shonda Rhimes.
0: I'm not giving no credit to punk-ass Lemon Random. Okay, Rand, well, you, whatever, but you, you know what I mean? But like, so you got someone like de Rhimes, and that's cool, but I'm thinking, have more choice, because there, there are people who are like, no, I really, I just want to deal with like the black network. I don't want to deal with the white networks. And, you know, white people or any other people who are non-black want to come play in my TV show, my film. Cool, you know what I mean? But I. It, so I, I think there's a place for everybody, but at this point, if you know that the, the 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 chances of you making as much money as white people doing the same role in the entertainment industry are are slimmer, then why not? at this point I'm like you might as well just go, you know, link up with some people that's been it, you know, what I mean? and um combine forces like Voltron or something, you know what I mean?
1: Oh. So you from the eighties?
0: You know I you know was, I'm old. Everybody yeah. knows I'm old.
1: It's okay. It's, <laughs> okay. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay, Geronimo. Um uh that is a very interesting question to ask because we I don't know if we have the answer yet. As Angela Banks, ever became, asked that question. Well, we've asked the question. So, Viola Davis asked the question. Um, Monique asked the question, yes, uh, okay,
0: you're right, you're absolutely right. Yes,
1: the answer,
0: and we're team Monique over here, too, by the way. We 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 love Monique over here,
1: <laughs> I ain't and, got nothing and, bad and to say about Monique, me either. And I love Monique, and she could be wrong, and that's okay, yeah, like you could be right and wrong, but like I'm t- definitely team Monique, uh, but anyway, um. I, uh, the answer is not, it's not there yet. As Angela Bassett becomes the highest paid, I think, either woman of color or woman, I have to be particular about the statistic, but she, not of woman, because old girl from Big Bang Theory was making almost a million dollar episode. So she became the highest paid woman of color off the Fox show, the 911 joint. And I think it's like $385,000 an episode. So the there is a difference, and there's levels to the situation. Give me a give me a, a random um black streaming site. Uh, Unscripted. Unscripted is the last one you say. Yeah. Yeah. There is a difference between settling for 385 as the highest paid woman of color actress on a TV show versus uh, putting together a show and demographic with Votron and Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett is too old. And I mean that with all respect in terms of how Hollywood treats actresses and actors. Angela Bassett is too old and too talented to be waiting on the revolutionary act of combined distribution services from several black distribution networks. Angela Bassett mm-hmm. is too old and too talented to be waiting on the production schedule to clear for Tyler Perry land. She's mm-hmm. got to get it now. Um, yeah. And I'm and I'm often thinking when we're thinking about these these new blueprints and frame, and frameworks, like what's the first step and who will we be excluding in the first step? Angela Bassett becomes the highest paid TV actress of color right now. At the same time, Issa Rae is in year two of her Five-year deal deal with Time Warner uh, for her content creation, and, and, and uh, uh, same thing with uh, Donald Glover as well. We won't know the answer to your question of did they settle until they re-up or leave after the next deal. If we're trying to base it on the current activity of what Hollywood and entertainment is doing now. We won't be able to get to that revolutionary action because niggas is trying to get paid now. Yeah. Wesley Slipes is worth money now, not 20 years from now when we get it together. Um, so when we see the people who are on the precipice to take that next step towards sustained ownership away from least independence, then I think we'll get the answer of, have we settled? Because the answer right now is yes because we didn't have a choice to. We didn't have a choice uh, to be talented in America, racialized and black and make money the same way that white people make money because the institutions who are providing that money don't value us at that level. We value ourselves at that level, but we don't even have the funds to pay us at that level. If that was the case, Mm -hmm. Samuel Jackson would be in all black movies all the time, but he's not, but he's not at all. And Samuel Jackson is black as fuck so if if there was a revolutionary step that we did have these all black things, it would have happened already. So to say settle is a word that's kind of like, we knew it was wrong and we could have done better, but well, we didn't want to try.
0: I think we tried. Spike Lee is trying. Right, right, uh, right. And and but that's why that's why I led with the question first of you know is what they're getting because it's so much more than what they started with.
1: Yeah, will they it's be still, satisfied? It's still even so
0: much. It's still even so much more than what most black people they know are making.
1: Yeah. Will they be even satisfied?
0: Is it, is it still good for them, even though it's not near or equivalent to they what ha- their white counterparts to, are making?
1: It has to be good enough. Yeah. It has to be good enough. Because if not, I mean, I experienced this when I'm like, and this might be a little trauma too. We need new blueprints. But like when I am black racialized in the space and I'm trying to get people to do a thing. Uh, whether they agree to a contract or whatever. I feel like when I press them out, the option is not for them to uh, appease my presage, but to just leave the deal high and dry. Because that's happened so many times. I'm not going to be difficult with you, black man, and your nuanced perspective. Cancel it. I'm good. I'm good. If we are going to be, if Issa Rae is going to be the forefront of our media mogulness in the future. Donald Glover, these are two people who have the ability to step into that forefront when these contracts end. That's when we'll get the answer of did they settle. Because they would settle. Issa Rae knows better. Donald Glover knows better. They may not admit it, but they know better. They know that the end goal is not the 80 mil. They know that the end goal is to be Viacom. Right? Uh... I don't consider these people to be stupid. Same thing with Chappelle and this partnership with Netflix. Like The end goal is not to do six specials for $100 million. The end goal is to do one special for $100 million. And I don't have to cut no checks. I don't got to do no splits. I don't got to talk to no executives. I don't got to run up as a showrunner. I don't got to explain the joke to the white man on the board. I don't got to do none of that shit. It is what it is. I put it out and it's successful. We won't know. I keep saying it again, but I feel like we really won't know if there's some bitch ass niggas out here until it's time to put the rubber on the road until it's time to put that money that they got from Time warner cable into a project independently so that they can build sustainable ownership
0: okay okay that's a fair response what do you, what do you think
1: what do you who do you think is out here um clamming up who out here just settling is it spike lee if I was Spike, I'd settle shit. I'm too well,
0: old if, and too. Well, okay, I was able to say Spike, Spike is Spike is old now. You know what yeah. I mean? Spike is old. And you know, like what is she's gonna have a count. Uh, 86?
1: That's older than me, John. 86. Out. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? And so he's been out here producing films for a very, 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 very long time. You know what I mean? And you know, I think that. And, that again, that's why I said I'm not expecting everybody to come to the Black uh, major uh, 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 streaming site conglomerate that's on the level of Netflix or something. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that. And I'm also not saying that um, because, again, I know there's people who, who want to create in the same way that Shonda Rhimes does. You know what I mean? And that's going to require... Um, a lift and support and backing that, you know, these, 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 these streaming sites that I, I I hypothetically that I'm talking about in terms of like, you know, combining forces or whatever, or just anything, um, where there being multiple Tyler Perry studios, not in, 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 in practice, but in, uh, in just, you know, I am a black person who has a whole Hollywood size studio lot, you know, um, I'm not expecting everybody to want to be a part of that or go that route but I would like for that to be an option. I would like for there to be more options for those people be. who want to stick stick Absolutely. who want to, you know, film black. Those yes. who go like that, they want to film black. Yes. I I want I would like for there that, that to there to be more of those options. You uh, know yes. what I mean? Um so what you said made me think about another caveat which I I refer to um, a lot of these, a lot of these movies, as like the new black exploitation, right? Hit me, yep. So if you go on Amazon Prime, um, you will oh, find man. a oh, number. <laughs> look, and look, man. why do you know this? <laughs> because
1: you are a culture analyst. Do you, why do you know about the the D list movies on Amazon
0: Prime? Because, because, because I I got to look at all parts of it. All parts yeah. of it. Like it's not about necessarily looking at the highbrow sophisticated shit. It's you know just what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got I got I got to look like look, I watched, I remember when Shata's came out. Okay. I watched I that. I I watched I watched um 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 what is it? Um what was a, a Masterpiece first film? Um well, I got not, the hookup. Got, oh no, no, uh, no uh, uh, that.
1: uh uh oh uh
0: Came out in the 90s. Uh, oh, it's another song. Um, Damn it. <laughs> damn it. Oh, I got to
1: look it up. I got to look it up. I got to look it up. Master
0: P movies. Yes, we are looking up stuff.
1: I got to look it up. I got to look it
0: up. Um, Master P movies. Let's see here. Filmography. What we got here? They say
1: the what first one was... Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait.
0: Uh...
1: uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, we are actually looking this up. This is see.
1: Hold up. Master P produced the Players Club? Did you know that?
0: I didn't know that, but I do remember when that came out. Um let's see. All right. Filmography. What was this first film? I know people are like, you should know this. I should, but I can't remember everything. I got a lot of stuff in my head. <laughs> On here a, I'm sad. about it i about, I'm about it. it. There you go. That is. There I is. remember when that came out. Straight the DVD. All right, and maybe VHS for some News people was still It It was You know, but straight the DVD. I remember, like, so, you know, I and I, you know, so I'm like, okay, let me see what's going on. But I mean, I say it's the new black exploitation because, um, much like black exploitation films of the '70s, of, eventually they started all showing, you know um different plots and things like that um that would be interesting to black people but after a while it became the same shit you know pimps uh drugs um pimps and drugs and pimps and, and more pimps yeah, pimps <laughs> drugs pimps and, and drugs and, <laughs> and yeah even even if you even even if you had uh uh, uh what's her name um pam greer kicking yeah. ass and taking names it was some it wasn't a pimp too far back <laughs> was
1: or she I was, was like, trying to get the drugs
0: <laughs> she was exactly she got she got drugged up what was that um film where she got they got they they shot her up with the uh, with the with the heroin that was, she, was that, foxy watched, brown yeah it was foxy brown yeah. so but anywho so these films on amazon prime now it's like straight out the hood from somewhere the same plots we going um We're going to move these drugs or rob these people. We're going to start a record label. We're going to open up a barbershop. We're going to open up a strip club or some kind of nightclub. We're going to keep selling drugs and robbing people. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) And it could be dramatic. It could be comedic. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the sex scenes look like, you know, the amateur sex scenes that you would find on, you name it, any... Power. (laughs) (laughs) Any... And, no power looks better because you know power's got like you got we got to have the nice looking people these are regular ass bodies we talk about regular so ass TikTok, bodies, bodies.
1: Got you. tiktok bodies got it's, you got
0: you got you it is amateur porn hub porn bodies okay that's, <laughs> <laughs> okay? that's what we about so shit let's call it what it is Thank so you're, well. <laughs> you're welcome. You are welcome. By the way, we are stream. We are also not only streaming live on YouTube. We are also streaming live. I tried to hook up on Twitter and on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. So maybe people are watching us there too. You know, I don't know. But either way. So all these different shows, like I call it the new exploitation, Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, it got me. And when they mentioned in this article where they were talking about like upn and 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 the wb and which became the cw and you're like you we remember the shows that were on the you on upn and the wb you know what i mean and like they weren't i won't say they were black exploitation in the least but in the hold up let me let me let me scroll down to the uh because i wanted to talk about content and just wow. how it really is important um to uh wow to consider that you know what i mean um where they were talking wow. about, see, uh, So you just okay. called
1: Friday an exploitation film.
0: It is not a black exploitation film. It Friday? Is not, a, Friday is not a black exploitation film.
1: That's not the grandfather of all the things that you just talked about?
0: No, I, I would take it back to, uh, you know, I'm about it.
1: <laughs> are, you, are you sure?
0: Okay, well, maybe, it, Friday, is. maybe it is. Because Friday, the
1: original yeah. Friday is about drugs. The second Friday is about starting a record label. And drugs. The third Friday is about pimps, drugs, and a record label.
0: Well, I guess I'm thinking also, too, like production quality. That that plays a factor because the production well, quality. Okay.
1: Yes. <laughs> I, I was getting ready to say, I, it's so interesting that you brought them up because uh, you called them black exploitation films. And that immediately thought made me think of who just passed. The van peoples not mario um,
0: melvin his dad.
1: melvin his dad who did uh sweet bags revenge right Yes. um and that was good like it was, it was gorilla good. it was gorilla shot and i'm even thinking about the spooter sex that sat next to the door like it was gorilla shot but it was still a great movie and I'm, that made me think about friday friday was shot on a million dollars uh the camera was borrowed Borrowed (laughs) the camera was borrowed by the crew. Uh
0: well look, these these films they ain't got a million dollar budget. All right. And if they do, you're right. If they do, then whoever they they got they got, you know, um somebody who is probably not trying to get got by a Rico charge funding it. Okay. (laughs) They got a million dollars to put behind some of these these movies I'm seeing on Amazon Prime. But um, it made me think about okay. So boom, uh, opportunities like you got to be selling a lot of drugs, man. To be <laughs> to be like Here, here's the <laughs> to, pro-
1: to produce a movie. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be pushing some drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which makes um, sense because it's just an advertisement, right? <laughs> exactly. Just their exactly. own business in there.
0: Exactly. So. This made me think about, again, the UPN and WB, okay? So I'm going to read this real quick. Opportunities for other Black creators came from the newer networks, UPN and the WB, an early example of the market fragmentation that was to come. These new outlets were less concerned with bringing as many viewers as possible to national advertisers. Rather, they were content in their first few years, at least, to reach specific demographic groups and build intense loyalty. And then fast forward, 96, UPN debuted Moesha. Starring the R&B singer Brandi Norwood with her dark skin and braids, the title character of Moesha was and still is a rarity in the coming of age subgenre. While Moesha was on the air and for several years afterward, Brandi's photos seemed to be tacked up on the wall of every black beauty salon in America. All right. So that's that one. I'm going to go back up and I'm going to uh, read the highlight I made about um, Fred Sanford. Fred Sanford, Sanford and Sons, drew easy comparisons to Archie Bunker, the blue-collar patriarch of All in the Family. Both characters were cantankerous middle-aged men. Both tossed around racial slurs and misogynistic commentary. Some of the humor has not aged well. Still, the later series, which ran for six seasons, exposed the primetime audience to Black performers and Black modes of comedy. Fox didn't regularly write for the show, but Sanford's incisive commentary on the indignities and joys of Black life in America worked so well thanks to his training as a stand up comedian with the style and sensibility the writers could, cha- could channel. Now, I bring up those two points. And I talk, and I'm tied in with the whole black exploitation thing. Even like this, like I said, the new black exploitation on Amazon Prime. I bring all that up because thinking about specific demographics, right? Some people, some people, and maybe that is the thinking too with these streaming sites, these black-owned streaming sites. We aren't looking necessarily for advertisers, which is why we have a subscription, a uh, 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 format, but. We want to provide a place that people can go for content that speaks to directly to them in their lives. You know what I mean? Like I bring this up, I brought this up on episode 12, where I talk about Rock. Like Rock was one of the few shows I remember me and my parents watching together every week on Sunday nights on Fox, you know, one, because that was pretty reflective of our family, you know, a blue collar family in PG County, Maryland, but also um, it was a good show. You know what I mean, and I don't know if a show like Rock could really make it today on a major network. But I think it could work on, um, you know, one of these 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 black uh, owned streaming sites. And I say I don't think it, I don't know if it'll work. I don't know. I don't say I don't think, but I don't know if it will work on one of these major networks today because one we people don't really give a shit about. Um, one, one, really one, uh, on a wide scale don't really care about wanting to see they want to see something aspirational on TV now. Even if it's not about even if the show is not about getting money but the lifestyles that are depicted are aspirational you know what I mean like I think of a show like Scandal which I think I may have watched one episode of Scandal even though the show was not about getting money so to speak it was aspirational in that like hey I would love to be this woman and I'm taking race out of it. I would love to be this woman who is who has who works in this powerful institution and has access in an, on a very intimate uh-huh. way to the leader of the free world, a very powerful man, a very, very powerful man, right? Yep. And I also have the ability to make or break situations. And I am the behind-the-scenes person, the cleanup woman, and whoever, you know what I mean? I got a lot of power myself. Like, so it's aspirational. A show about, hey, man, like even a show like um, King of Queens, another show about a blue-collar family. Like, it worked at the time that it did, but I think that might have been one of the last blue-collar-focused uh, sitcoms on a major network. You know? Like, think about all the sh- the TV, you, t- you know,
1: you sitcoms,
0: a dramas, everything on a major network today. Even like the major cable networks like... Um, BT, uh, VH1, uh, 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 AMC, Bra- Bravo, like all these shows, like they're aspirational. These shows are aspirational,
1: and that's why the non-aspirational shows cut through. The Did you watch the Upshaws on Netflix?
0: I I got through like the first two episodes. I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. It it, 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 even, it was it uh, was rough.
1: Even it, uh, it, it, a debt. That show gave me non-aspirational black content. It gave me Roseanne. It gave me dinosaurs. It gave me that. It gave me that that rural, blue-collar, imperfect approach to a sitcom. Uh, And I thought it was wonderful. The Miss Pat Mm -hmm. show, same thing. I don't know if I'm aspiring to be like Miss Pat and how she runs her family, but that is a informal, non-aspirational show about working class. If you consider a a comedian, working class individual, I do. Uh, Especially if
0: if she's not working. (laughs) She's still trying to get on. Exactly,
1: exactly. As far as content goes... Um, and there's two points that you made up. Could a, and I I like the way you framed it, could a rock work now on a major network? And I think that speaks to the 91% of showrunners. There was an article that I read, um, that included this podcast from the Atlantic and some studio out of New York also called the, the unwritten rules of black television. I think it's the, I think it's the partner to this article. Mm -hmm. Cause the article you just pulled up, like, I don't, I don't know if I saw that, but I saw, (laughs) I saw a different article that said unwritten rules of black television. And it was a, it was a, it was a podcast, but anyway, in that, um, uh, in that podcast, they talked about, uh, they were talking about the periods of black television Renaissance. And I love mm-hmm. how you just brought up UPN because the UPN television Renaissance is exactly what you explained. They were interested in gathering a black demographic to come to a black space. And hopefully that would translate to, uh, major, uh, um, advertisers. It did not. They sold UPN, became the CW, kept the girlfriends and left everybody else out. Yeah. The, um, the interesting thing that this podcast brings up is what happens between that black television renaissance and the black television renaissance that happens after Shonda Rhimes is successful with Grey's Anatomy. And the answer was from I can't remember the black woman's name but it was this black woman showrunner who's been on all these shows from Different World all the way to 20s, which is now on BET. The issue was in that gap between UPN and Shonda Rhimes finishing up Grey's Anatomy, these showrunners had looked at the history of black television, saw what the next stories were, and deemed them to be inauthentic to the black experience. That's what happened. It wasn't that we ran out of creativity. It wasn't that rock would be unsuccessful. It's that the lady who was on rock pitched rock again and... The white showrunners who were at these major institutions said that's not that's no longer authentic to the black experience. Plus, we've had rock already. Never mind the thousands of white, uh, white blue collar shows that I see on television and scroll past every damn day. Never mind that. The fact that we get one shot to make our one perspective and then that perspective is then deemed finished, done or inauthentic from a white perspective. That to me is that's an issue. That is the mm-hmm. issue of, uh, uh, again, to go back to that stat of 91% of sh- black shows are run by white people. How do we get away from that? How do we create a new framework around that? Uh, can rock be successful? Uh, and 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 the second, and can rock be successful on a major network? We'll never find out because I don't think a major network will get to see a rock until the dudes who were around at Fox for rock are dead. So in thirty well, years we might get another rock, just like we get another Wonder Years right now that's black. We might yeah. get another rock, right? Except it might be Latina. So get ready for that. The second half of the conversation you, <laughs> you
0: said right. it be like what? <laughs> Except
1: it'll be Latina. Get ready for that. Oh, Don't okay, think I'm playing. Okay. Uh, uh, it's yeah, definitely because intersectionality uh, in the future will include beyond black. The second part of that is uh, the the thing that you said about revenue being based on. Streaming service price. I want you to know that as someone who does a little research for Netflix has just a small insight to their books. If Netflix was trying to pay their bills with subscription money, they'd have closed before Blockbuster.
0: Really? Oh because because yeah. I mean I, I, I do I remember, and I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just I'm yeah. just surprised because I do remember in the article, the um the woman who wrote it said that you know. The way Netflix works is be it, it, the way it's been able to work is because people subscribe for all the, the 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 tons of content that you can find on Netflix. People are subscribing just for a few things, you know. what I mean, and like pay ten dollars a month or twelve dollars a month, whatever the shit costs now. Um, I um I'm on my mother's. I use my mother's account, so you know, you no know shame my game. But like, you no, know, whatever the subscription is, you pay that, you get access to. You know, a full repository of not only um, um, uh, TV TV shows and films from from third parties, but also Netflix original content. You know,
1: right? Take take this, take this. So, let's say I don't even want to do no math right now, but like any example that you just used there are two pay levels at Netflix. There are several pay levels, but to simplify, there are two pay levels at Netflix. There is what we license and what we can give royalties for. So when you see these Netflix Mm -hmm. originals, yes, those are royalty situations, right? But how many Netflix originals are there? There are a lot of them and they're based and the originals royalties are based on new signups. So it's not like your mother's $12 goes towards uh, the Will Smith movie. It's the, if you signed up, and the first thing you watch was the Will Smith movie. Then the royalty goes goes to that situation. Where Netflix is getting their money is advertising within the movie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: product placement. That's <laughs> that's where they're getting these hundred million dollar, two hundred million deals from. Is that if we could get our base, which is five hundred million people, uh, to watch a product, and that product has a Mountain Dew in it, that's how we're gonna get our money. We don't get our money through that situation. So we are still operationalizing our budget off of the views in totality that we are getting. If we use that same method for unscripted, knowing that the threshold for a Netflix is 13%, Let's just say the fact we could get is thirteen percent of what Netflix total revenue is for the year, on on the best case scenario. Everybody from Netflix leaves. We all go over to Unscripted. We all subscribe. Uh, we all pay on time. That is thirteen percent of the money that Netflix will be getting on an annual, which I think is like three to five billion dollars. Is this is back to my question? Is Angela Bassett leaving nine one one to get? Three percent royalties off of a twenty dollar sign up for thirteen percent of what they making at Fox. The numbers it just don't number.
0: Yeah, we also man, have man, man, to, do, man, as they say,
1: ain't <laughs> we'd have to do the same thing that Netflix is doing. Is be like, well, we got the Gorilla Glue in here, so Gorilla Glue, you gonna you gonna throw us some money because we're reaching all uh, thirty nine million Black people. We got to go back mm-hmm. into into that mind frame. So just to recap, I think it it happens on on two levels. Um, Can Rock be successful on Fox right now? We'll never know because Fox won't do it. Fox won't do it until the nigga who was at Fox when Rock came out is gone and dead and that nigga is still there. And on the second half, uh, uh, can we find money Can we generate money? And I like your cooperative economics uh, thought as it comes to the situation. But can we generate money through our streaming services outside of just direct pay on the stream? Can we get other organizations to come in and give us major bags in order to reach the black demographic? And that's just that just takes talent, time and coordination.
0: Okay. well, I say, um, you know, bringing up the Miss Pat show again, that that is rock. You know what I mean? Um, but is. because you know, you know, because you know, she between her and um Tammy Roman, they got a curse, they had to go on BT Plus, you know, okay. <laughs> had to go on BT plus, and that's cool, you know. What I mean, um, again, I appreciate it. I'm glad you watched it. I mean, um, and I think a show like that necessarily just look through. Um, I went and looked at some uh comments uh that people left when she was on both Karen Hunter show and um uh the breakfast club and people really like the show and i'm I, i'm i'm glad people do like the show and which shows that it's something that people have been wanting to see mm-hmm. you know what i mean people have been wanting people have been needing because i mean you know there are many there are many mothers who are like miss pat there are many fathers who are like the brother i can't remember his name that's so but it.
1: Um, but it's the
0: Miss Pat that, show. Yeah, you know, the <laughs> brothers Pat. that play. That, 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 are like, that are like, you know, the brother that plays her husband, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then also um, the kids, um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure kids today growing up in, especially growing up in like suburban in suburban areas, like they like them kids. They yeah. like them kids. You know, they even got, you know, the the, the the 20-something-year-old son that can't get right still living in the basement. You know yep. what I mean and yep. you the know they, they, inclu- they included all of that um now i'm I'm sure that somebody will come in and say because I thought about like somebody will come and say why well, they gotta have the two boys playing these simp ass roles and playing being these goofies and <laughs> and the women are you know they they are on it they got they shit together da, 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 da. like you know I, I think about everything because I read the comments <laughs> I read the comments so I know how everybody's thinking but again, I think, um yeah, we got we got a show like rock, so um again, through like miss Pat, but again, it's on b e t plus which you mm-hmm. must which it you much subscribe to, but going back to the new black exploitation, there's always gonna be as much as like okay I don't i there's i really if I never watched another um movie or t v show about some street shit again, it I wouldn't be missing out on nothing, you know what I mean um i really wouldn't be missing out on much of nothing even thinking about i thought about maybe i should subscribe to stars or watch bmf i already gave up on power i was like i'm not watching no more of these these power trilogy i'm not I, I i didn't even finish the last season of power i watched the, f- the first two episodes of last season i was like, okay i can't i can't do this but i was like Maybe I should watch BMF mostly because I wanted to see. I, I know um, Cash Dolls and I like Cash Dolls. Yeah. I want to see how she how she playing in this. You know what I mean? But um, I was like, do I really want to watch this? But how BMF? Because that that could fall into the black exploitation, the new black exploitation category that I just made up. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, it could fall into that. But you know, the production value is much greater than what you're going to find on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm with some of these Oof. other ones that just you know upstarts and things like that you know Oof. even though stay tuned for bad girls too bag girls too because the first bag of girls y'all should watch that has got um who is in it uh uh what's my girl uh from new orleans she's a rapper um damn what's her name uh uh 3d nati he's in there man that's a great you Like them type of film, that is one of
1: the good ones. <laughs> uh, look, I feel like right now is a good time to remind people that black mid matters.
0: Yes, black men
1: matter. No, no, not I mean, um, mid, like low quality oh, black, black, black. matter. It sure okay. does. And in my, in how I this is how I rank content. Like, I do it's, a, it's, the, same way. It black it's mid. the same way that I rank with rank weed. You got your ultra premium.
0: It ain't ain't gas.
1: You got your regular. But Ocean Premium is gas, right? There's several words for it, right? You got your regular. And then Mm -hmm. below regular, you got mid. Okay? Okay. (laughs) It's just 50. Right? 50, 80, 100. That's what we got. That's the grading scale. I feel like... As much as I'm rolling my eyes and slow blinking at bag girls one and bag girls two, get the bags. Now you should
0: watch it. You should watch I it. I
1: know I know you you this is why it's important because
0: Jamaican uh, Mafia uh, that came out some years ago. Okay,
1: um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on <laughs> before you go there, it's important <laughs> because the quality is not necessarily indicative of the effort or even the outcome as it pertains to the materials and we're able to get for some of these black shows. Like it's it's not a secret that black people don't own that much, well any wealth as it pertains to like media situations. We only have two black studios uh owned and Tyler Perry. So if you're not on those studios and you're trying to do it black and in an amateur way, then you're doing it from a very low pi- low five perspective. So it mm-hmm. is it is a mis it is a missed opportunity that when you see these things, you automatically dismiss these things, which is it, it this conversation reminds me that it is important to pay attention to all black art uh, and then make a critique on the black art in honesty rather than it's ass or I ain't like it. If it's bad camera quality, bad camera quality, but the movie was great. That ain't got nothing to do with the producers. Ain't got nothing to do with the director. That's funding. And mm-hmm. if you don't got it, you don't got it. <laughs> so what we gonna do? Not shoot a movie? What I'ma not get
0: on stars? What they paying, Geronimo? They paying? Well, they pay They paying. They paying fifty, and everybody that rode in the same horse that he came on.
1: Oh, I was. That's, that's the other thing I want to say about fifty cent. As 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 much as I detest power. And I agree with you about the definition of the new Blacks exploitation. I agree with you, although I feel like that is a... Uh, a number one question in uh, Africana studies and not a governance question, like how we look at each other, how people look at us. Instead of how mm-hmm. we look at each other. Um, I don't mind seeing hood movies. I could watch the, I could watch Paid and Fool every day for the rest of my life. And a Paid and Fool 2 could come out tomorrow, which I think there is a Paid and Fool 2. But Paid and Fool 3 could come out tomorrow and I'm, me and my homeboys we're going to see it. But I say this about the 50 Cent situation uh, who again is working on Least least independent, But he is doing it in a way that I haven't I haven't seen since the Cosby Show. He's creating a universe, yes, a universe that cannot be denied. Mm-hmm. Power and all of his entities are is the most popular show on Stars. Power, yeah. Power Book Two, Power Book Three, BMF. Those were the four most popular shows, well, three most popular shows on Stars last month.
0: That's why I know. He probably told them to, he's the reason why of all the the different networks that you can get subscrip- trial subscriptions to on on the Amazon Fire Stick that is the one uh, I know he probably told them no free trial either they're gonna pay the three dollars for three months or ninety nine cent a month however they decide to promote it whatever day of the week it is or you just not gonna watch it right. all these other network all these other networks with streaming sites they like oh we'll give you the seven day free trial whatever whatever fifty like no no I want all my he' been look how to rob the industry get rich that trying he ain't never stepped off that that platform
1: very true that
0: soapbox you know what I mean very since day true. one um also one more shout out for uh uh um as my <laughs> as my homegirl, uh uh Lana calls it bad black cinema um uh, which we which we actually got from um uh, from a uh, uh, old Russ Parr, Olivia Fox days of their morning <laughs> show back in the day, they used, a, they used to have to do a segment called "Bad Black Cinema." Okay, but uh, she got the, the <laughs> you got, and this is re- this shit is really bad. But um, it's it's so bad it's just like funny. You got to watch Mississippi Shakedown, Mississippi Turned Up, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and I know God. you know. You know, you, from you, you know, you are from Mississippi. Um yeah, and they both sat in Jackson.
1: Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. No, you no, know Mississippi I Shakedown
0: don't. and Mississippi turned up.
1: Is Turned up the sequel?
0: No, they two different movies, but with the same lead action. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said it's no bad as good it's so bad, it's just like, you know, we just like, you're gonna be like but wait, that don't even make sense and you just keep watching because you like, I just got to see how much more ridiculous this nah, is gonna get.
1: We need those bad movies and show because actually when you said that, I ain't seen the show, but I feel like we don't get P-Valley if we ain't had all these trash ass shows and movies like, it, did you watch P-Valley?
0: Nah, I ain't watched P-Valley
1: I think you I would fuck with, think fuck with P-Valley I think we'll fuck with P-Valley um, we don't get a show about southern rural strippers in Alabama and their drama unless we have Shatters. I am actually a hundred unless we have power actually because it's on Stars. We don't get that show unless we have black exploitation, and that makes me wonder.
0: Players Club, as, Players Club is a cult classic.
1: Exactly, and that's Players Club is black exploitation.
0: Black said, t- you are absolutely right. So uh, I so black's I'm t-
1: wondering, t- I'm wondering, even if we traced because like black's exploitation, it 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 exists in two forms. Because you have Sweetbacks Revenge and you have Spooky Set by the Door, and you have not Foxy Brown. Um, what's the other one? Uh what's the other one Pam Grid did? Not Foxy, huh? Jackie Brown.
0: Jackie yes, Brown. Jackie was, Brown.
1: Yeah. So you have these movies who follow in that tradition, but then you have the output of those movies uh, that follow don't don't follow that tradition, but are able to be made because of the success of that tradition. I can only think of the article that, that I read in the podcast that I wrote. I'm thinking specifically about Shonda Rhimes' Grey's Anatomy. The only reason she gets to scandal is after doing a multi-diverse cast long-form, medical, successful drama on ABC about Grey's Anatomy. Had that joint been canceled in season one, we never see Shauna arrives. We ain't never heard I mean, of that she,
0: she basically picked up where ER left off. And you I feel like I mean? that was
1: genius of her because it's like medical drama, diverse, dramatic, network television, we love it, proved it, do it, get it done.
0: Mm-hmm. Scandal
1: is much more is much more advantageous on that front. Like you got a black cleaner that's fucking the president. Wow, <laughs> wow.
0: And if it weren't for scandal, we would not have the Oval on if the ha-
1: So then, I so <laughs> then I wonder, I, I wonder, like, what does Shattas? What does Mississippi turn up? What do they, as we say, black mid matters? What do they open the door for? Cause, uh, uh, Cause Friday opens the door for hip hop filmmakers. I don't know if there are any more hip hop filmmakers after Ice T, but Ice Cube, but Ice Cube had a long career in filmmaking. Still got I mean, one can, in filmmaking.
0: We can't forget about like, you know, the Hughes brothers, the Hudlin brothers, mm-hmm. um, John Singleton. You know, we can't think right. about the poetic justices. We can't forget about uh the Minister Societies, you know. Um, I know we're talking about films now instead of TV. Um right. but I mean shit, I could. You want to know a black exploitation show that came out in the 90s that didn't last? What's that? South Central. Came I out saw. on Fox. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 Lorenz Tate was on it. It did last because look up South Central on Fox. It, came, it, it did not last. It did not last. He's even an episode where he got robbed on the bus of his sneakers. I think he had on some Jordans or something. I don't know. Yeah. He got robbed on the bus, but it did not last because it was... The way that they 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 did it, it was like we're going to make it. They were trying to do a South Central rock.
1: That makes sense, but it didn't but
0: work. it didn't work because yeah, it just it just didn't work because it, yeah, it didn't work. But I would say that may have been because of the the amount of violence that was taking place in that part of the country at that time. How because um, this was this came out after. Um, Rodney King riots uh-huh. and everything. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just, I'm just thinking that you know, it, at the at the time it was was bad for that show as well. But um, and the way it was written, but that might have been considered a black exploitation TV show. Uh-huh. But yeah, like Minister Society, you, you're in the black. You're in the black, man. You're in the uh-huh. black. Can't see you. Can't see you. You disappeared. <sighs> Oh, I'm in the black? Oh, shit. I'm in the yeah, black. Yeah, you're in the black, I'm like, I can't see you. I thought you were saying
1: I thought you were saying these shows were in the black.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. no. But, but, you know, just thinking about, okay, again, you know, medicine Society, I don't know if Poetic Justice could be considered black exploitation, mm-hmm. but um, Menace to Society and, and movies like it, just again, like, I'm about it, you know, and Paid in Full, and yeah. you know, things like that. Um, I don't, but um, it did make a way, and people are going to create because people going to watch it. Like if it's just going to be like, look, your hood, your city knows that y'all did these movies. Cool, you know what I mean? If if it weren't for No Limit Records, people outside of Baton Rouge, New Orleans, uh, Richmond, California, because he, you know, he was out there. You know, maybe Houston, Texas, um, may not have known about. I'm about it. If he right. didn't already right. have No Limit Records. So, you know, that whole low that whole like deep south region of the country might not have known about you know that movie. Yeah, because I'm sure because at that time it was still like we moving shit out the trunk, we we driving from city to city to city. Yeah. You know, if 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 it weren't for um even no limit records, you know what I mean so I think again there's a place for all of that. There's a place for all those types of movies. I'm not saying um they shouldn't exist. Um, the reason why people can have to continue making those type those movies with those types of plots, that's a different conversation. Yes, that's a different conversation. And I but feel like that's
1: because yeah,
0: yeah. uh because those issues they don't look like they're gonna be resolved anytime soon. We're gonna keep getting them type of movies. Yeah. So um I, I definitely think um, again, going back to what I said earlier about you know having more support and funding and backing up behind these Black streaming sites, mm-hmm. there, there needs to be more options for Black film and TV creators to choose from, whether they want to go the big, major network, major studio route, or if they want to go the independent, we going, you know, keep creating Black route. You know? Right. That's all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Hey. That, that, that's all I'm saying. That's all hey. I'm saying, you know? Hey. So... Yeah. um. We got we to gotta end with a solution or okay. some kind of, you know, good conclusion. So with all that, knowing like, okay, boom, basically um, the unwritten rules of black TV, you know, white people still going to be like, oh, you can't write. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about <laughs> how did so many uh, uh, white people within um, Hollywood don't believe that um, non-white people can write for white characters, can white, write white characters. You know what I mean? There's a um, and it made me think of um, Nell Irvin Painter's book, the, the history of white people. She is a black woman from Oakland, California, who mm-hmm. became an American history historian and wrote a, a a book which I'm going to buy called Black. You know, called about the history of white people. And she said in a lecture that she did at a at a college, um, she said, uh, anybody can write about anybody. In terms of like the history, if it's if you are well researched,
1: yeah, you can. You know
0: what I mean? Like, I don't, I might know, I don't know what it's like to live as a white person, but I can write about the history if I look through all the history that exists for it. Right. You know. So why is it that white people can write about us in film and film and TV, but people like you can't write about white people as a black person? Why not? They scared. They Why scared? not? They scared, especially because, especially if, if if I, if if I spend time around y'all. It's not like I have no. I've never been around white people. You know what I mean? And, and <laughs> like they scared. That's all.
1: If and you know what it is? Is guilt, right? So if white people write for us, and we see what the reaction is, mm-hmm. they know that turnabout is fair play. If I'm explaining white, if I'm writing a white character, then maybe it's just my black violent ass. But if I'm writing a white character, <laughs> you're not going to be upright. <laughs> you're not going to be the most forthright progressive player. No. You're going to be the dumbass in the background. You're going to need a friend. We're going to need to do all this like, hyper whiteness to make sure that we know that you white. Oh yeah, you should be afraid. Because about is fair play. You should be afraid. I get it. I get it. If I was the 91% of show, the 91%— I'm looking this way because you over here. Someone look this way. The 91 Shout out to the lady of the house,
0: by the way. Yes, Got shout out to yes, the lady in yes, the house. Shout out to the lady of the house. <laughs> the,
1: lady the house. She right here. Listen to me talk. Can't hear you at all. <laughs> so it's just me yelling. Um, but the 91% of showrunners who have been controlling black shows, they didn't mm-hmm. start yesterday, Geronimo. They didn't start doing that yesterday. They started in the 70s, the 60s. They got new jobs in the 90s. They passed on nepotism in the 2000s. Like, this is generational thoughts on how blackness can be represented and then how blackness can represent whiteness. It is straight up, 100% guilt and retributional fear. And I have no interest. I have no interest in appeasing any white person of that fear. None. None. Mm. <laughs> You should be scared. You should be terrified. And my solution is, when we get to our sustained ownership, when we are making our own things, regardless of the regard, not needing the approval of non-black people, when we get to that point, uh, we will have white characters. There will be white shows. You will film white movies on this lot you will have to be approved by black dollars specifically because our lots will probably be more accessible, cheaper mm-hmm. and more equitable to gain access to. So while you waiting for the gatekeepers at MGM, while you waiting for the gatekeepers at Columbia to overcharge you and then take royalties hefty or for of 200 years of industry, when Issa Rae pop up with her studio and it's the same size as Howard's campus, and uh, studios are cheaper, it's easier to access, the gatekeepers are easier to get to, it's not generations of trauma that led to this moment, you goddamn right, just like you see white people at HBCUs, you damn right you'll see white people on these campuses. And they should be nervous. You should be scared. Like, I'm scared. If I wrote a sitcom right now, and I took it to CBS, and they gonna rewrite me, I'm scared. Because what this white man know about me? He can read, he can research, but did he talk to my auntie? Did he get the oral history? I don't think it can worked he, both can ways. He, can,
0: he, can, he, can he write the actual lived experience? You know, can
1: he mean? even write my language? I can write his because I studied it for 18 years. Can he yes. write mine?
0: Can he can no. he write not <laughs>
1: even close. <laughs> Not even close. I had an article come yeah. out in the uh, had an article that came out in the in the fray today, the district fray. Uh, uh, one of the 52 entrepreneurs of the city. I'm so excited and proud of myself. I wrote my you had to write your own responses to the article, right? I wrote my article and legitimately and as much ebonics as possible. I got a note back from district fray saying we can put it in here like this, but it'll have to be in brackets. The whole thing would have to be in brackets. Or we can translate it for you and put the put your coded language in brackets. And to which I responded, I was like, how you know what's coded? The picture Maybe in this, this is the picture in the of the situation is how you know what's coded.
0: This is how I talk. Right. Yeah. It's like the, I could have used I had to rewrite. I them. could have used standard American English, I sure but I have. chose. In the same way that immigrants from other countries who, you know, are from countries where English is not the, 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 the main language. And even if it is there, there's a whole other dialect, they probably speak. Right. Um, if we're, especially if we're talking about the global South, um, they'll speak their, their native tongue. The so, yep. you know, when it comes to Ebonics and, 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 and Creole and Patois and things like that for black people it's like you know um i knew i was i was i was trying to uh <laughs> get to the I closer <laughs> yeah the back, i saw it flash and i was like oh it's about Dang. to go but um BMO's still with us but um um you know we should be able to everybody should be able to speak in a way that is comfortable for them to communicate with um not only their own people but in a way that they feel most comfortable um communicating their thoughts because some people, that's how they, that might be how they best communicate. And it's still English. You know what I mean? Um, now, but that, that, again, that's a whole, we could talk about linguistics another day. Um, so I say all this to say here's the thing this, this, is, this, is, this is going back to your point about we don't know and we won't know until like 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now. Um, I can I can go in closing with this and even asking the 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 racial and identity um concerns that we put on a topic like um showrunners and of TV shows in in Hollywood and, and and film producers and directors in Hollywood. Um is this even gonna matter in 30 years? I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if it's it's I mean, we could talk about it Um, from a cultural standpoint. I think it should, I think it should matter. I think it should be, it should matter enough today in regards to um, preservation of culture because it's important. And I think, especially living in a country like the United States, it's become, because of the the number of ethnicities and races that live here, um, it's getting to a point where people are, More and more both um, explicitly and implicitly being um, having to decide, like, are you American first or are you fill in the blank American? You know what I mean? And if you are the latter, how much more difficult is it going to be for you to maintain the, the memory and the cultural meaning making that needs to be maintained for, for, for another time in, in, for millennia going forward. You know what I mean? Because if you just choose to be American first, it's just like, well, we just all a bunch of, we Americans, we are from the United, we are United States citizens. We were born and raised here and we just all a bunch of different colors, but then it's going to become an American culture and even ethnicity, which would be kind of, I don't know, I, I, if if we don't if we don't allow for, I'm concerned. Worst case scenario that that could be like everything just gets put it down flat. Um, but I too on on the best case scenario, maybe Amer- an American culture or ethnicity could be because. If we could, if we could, if we start from where we are to make shit just be better going forward, okay, um, in order to right the wrongs and the atrocities in the in the creation of this country and, and up to this point, um, if we allow for people to celebrate and tell their own stories as they should be told and do the research and find out who and where they came from all the ways, and right now this one, this landmass, I think American culture could be good. But if it's not that, it's going to be bad. It's going to be very bad. It's going to be very flat. It's going to be like, okay, everything is going to be like, it's going to all be through this very, very, very standardized white lens. That's just not going to be cool. It's not going to be cool. And I think that makes it even more complex to figure out, okay, well, what is the, what is the, what is the, hill that we should be climbing up and dying on? What is, what is, what is the fight that we should be fighting, the battle that we should be fighting what what is it really? And that's why, again, I say, because I know there are some people who are good getting, you know, the hundreds of thousands and the millions, even though even if it's less than their white counterparts. But there's others who like, nah, I want to be I want to create black with the black people on the black network. So I'm going to stick with them. Give people options. Um, that is something that I am grateful for as an American citizen. You know, I got options. You know, um, but I don't know if how much of this is even going to matter in 30 years. And not to say that we shouldn't talk about it, but I don't know if things keep going. I don't know how much of this is going to matter in 30 years.
1: Geronimo, that's a great question. That's a great, that's a great point. I was watching one of my favorite cultural analysts. Her name is Khadijah bo uh, Bowe, M-B-O-W-E. Um, and she just released a video recently about the theory of racelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember, <laughs> you remember, which we're the, seeing in
0: advertising. Which by we, the way, uh,
1: uh, you remember this when uh, when Obama was elected. Everybody thought we were in this post-racial society. Post-racial, um, yes. I I hear the thoughts of putting race back into the popular to, to the proper context of it being a man-made creation. It separates us and divides us and is used to create caste systems amongst human people. And as lovely as that sounds, Tronimo, race is real and it matters. 30 years ago was when The Different World came out. When I mm-hmm. went to Howard's campus, I see kids wearing helmet shirts. Them kids is half the age of uh a different world, but they're still yes. wearing Hillman shirts. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they recognize that a Hillman is connected to Bill Cosby, but they're wearing Hillman shirts because the only representation we have on a major level for HBCU was a fake college within the entertainment industry. And ain't no, know, ain't I no TV shows happening on Howard's campus Ain't no TV shows happening on Hamptons and Tuskegee's campus. Uh, but these things still permeate because these are still the only examples in which we can capture something in that, in that narrative. Mm -hmm. So when you ask me, well, this matters in 30 years, I think kids on Howard's campus in 30 years will still be wearing Hillman shirts. Does it matter? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I go to my niece's house and they have their Disney coloring book. My nieces are, what, four and six? They have a Disney coloring book, and in their coloring book, they colored all the princesses black and nobody told them to? Yeah, it matters that that my sister is intentional about showing them only black cartoons. It matters Mm -hmm. so that they can feel like they have a place in this world. To your point, racelessness to me, post-race to me, Ignoring race to me, devaluing race to me, means that we revert back to a state of neutral. And unfortunately, the state of neutral on this planet is whiteness. Unfortunately. And until we can change that, race must exist. And it must remain a priority as we express the different perspectives that live in this country. Uh, it would be irresponsible, racially irresponsible for the Internet to exist, for independent distribution to exist, and we all choose racelessness. That is, ir- that is not the solution. The solution is we evolve as a people, we evolve as a society, and the TV shows that we make, the movies we make, are reflective of the reality and the future that we want based on the past that we have experienced in truth not something that we made up, not the denial of critical race, not that bullshit. The view of what happened in truth, who we are in present, and what we hope to see in the future on an artistic level. One of the unwritten rules of black television, I don't know if it's directly expressed in in that situation, it always feels like we have to represent something that's real, Mm -hmm. something that actually exists. I deny that. No. No. Be aspirational, be out of the loop, like like Cosby was trying to do with the, the, the Bill Cosby show. Be aloof and 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 arbitrary, like sorry to bother you. Be more than just the black exploitation. Perfect those still, but continue to reach forward. Like we have to, as an as a race, we have to artistically move forward. And at the same time, as a race, and I feel like we're going to discuss this on Chaos and of Culture often is how do we get how do we love black, agree with black, be black, love black, and move past black? I feel like that is the way. I don't know if we had slowly, if you're talking about slowly integration, or as I was listening to. Um, uh, somebody who actually surprised me with their intelligence, which was Dion Primetime Sanders on I Am Athlete, as he's talking about. Uh, so, you want to talk about somebody that surprised the shit out of me? It was Dion Sanders.
0: I did okay. not. Ex-
1: I did not expect.
0: You ain't think not- he was smart.
1: <laughs> I didn't expect. No, I didn't think he was smart, uh, and I didn't expect him to talk about race in the sophisticated manner that he did surrounding black football i did not expect that i didn't expect he said something like uh we were talking he was talking about hbcu combines and how uh you know hbcus who are often overlooked in the nfl draft they should have these special situations in which coaches are mandated to come to these hbcu combines and actually scout the players and what prime time said was i don't want that i don't want separation what I want is more spots at the combine. So instead of 150 of your best players in the nation, which we all code that as white or people who are in white institutions, instead of it being 150 people from these colleges, make a in that combine make a mandate to have 50 spots for HBCUs. Don't separate me. Put me one on one. Cause it's one thing I'm about to get real sports. If you playing for Alabama, yeah, you the top rock, you the top uh, uh, ranked team in the nation. Sure but that's your team. What happens when I just get you one-on-one? What happens when it's just me and you on the line and we racing to see who's the fastest? It ain't got shit to do with your institution. It ain't got nothing to do with that. This is meritocracy. This is the truth. This is this is my solution to me. Put, uh, put, put rock on Fox right now. I feel like Fox is, is, is afraid that it won't work when you and I know that shit might be the most popular show on Fox. Fuck around. That's the fear. Put me one-on-one. Put me in the room. I want to go one-on-one. That's my solution. Yes, we have our black uh, uh, streaming services in which we can fortify our content. We can even license our content like Netflix is doing with Seinfeld. We can pay $100 million to get our – or Netflix did with Girlfriends on one-on-one. We can pay the money to get the license so we can show the content that was happening in the past. But at the same time, we still need to be in the rooms where we are technologically and financially motivated to push the ball forward as it comes to our content from these major distribution platforms. I talked. I, I don't know if you talked about it on, was it episode 12 you keep referencing? But if, uh, 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 and who gets to make black content, tear down that gay people rules, get the 1% up out of there, let's get the 70% in there, let's do it, but let's do it on all fronts. Let's do it at Fox. Let's do it at Unscripted. Let's do it at OWN. Let's do it on the lot of Tyler Perry. Let's do it on YouTube. Let's do it everywhere. And let's be authentic mm-hmm. in all places. And if they fail us, if they're not giving us the money we need, they're not giving us the support we need, we have also built up our own institutions. to be like, fuck y'all. We good. We'll eventually get to the place where we could pay Angela Bassett $385,000 an episode. But until then, uh, it's just going to be Soulja Boy, uh, and whoever else is a D-list celebrity ready to come on this joint for 50 grand for, uh, for a season, okay? Until then, we had to build our institutions. We also had to build through these. Unfortunately, we have to build through our least independent opportunities as well.
0: And I think that is a great place to put a period, and I think also we might have to end every episode going forward with a BMO monologue. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? um uh, i'm definitely going to make this one of the promo clips okay for sure so keep, that, keep 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 that in mind i might need you to be doing these monologues at the end of every episode you know what i mean well they come um, naturally <laughs> and and that's why you know yeah, right. that that's exactly why um all right well that's all we got you know um for anybody who was watching us on any of the three platforms that i attempted to stream on i appreciate y'all if you watch this after the show that's cool too appreciate any feedback. Please make sure. Let me let me do this. And by the way, we got to We also got to get good with this too. I, I go back to you know days of when I was actually in a, in a professional recording studio. Mm-hmm. And you know, shout out the people that you know helped to bring make this possible. We got to shout out the the Bridge Podcast Network um, for making this possible for pro- providing me with this microphone, the Shure microphone that I truly appreciate because uh, I am an audiophile, so you know, gotta have the best sound possible. And. That's right. um, also, um please make sure that you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you know when the show goes live and whatnot. Um, we're working out the schedule. But if you like, if you hit the notification bell and you subscribe, then <laughs> you won't miss out. You know, you at least know, even if you can't watch it live, you know, oh, they just did another one. Yes, yep. that's right. So you watch it when you can. And make sure that you like, leave a comment, tell a friend to tell a friend, as Bimo always says. You know, them, um, yep. And then also make sure that you follow Bemo on Instagram and Twitter at BMO Brown and Wake and Bake with BMO on Instagram. You got a Twitter for that or just the Instagram?
1: No, nah, just Instagram, man. People don't want to. OK. <laughs>
0: yeah. But people I'm like, man, don't nobody be engaging with BMO on Twitter, man. He be don't saying some ever. shit, man.
1: Man, you i have had the same 497 followers for four years. I'm not going to front. I'm not lying to you. <laughs> I think I might well, be shadow banned.
0: Well, I will say that had I not, I'm not going to tell you how many Twitter accounts I've deleted because I'm good for just like deleting my, my social media, like fuck the shit. Um, but had I, not, had I, had I kept the same account that I started in, uh, February, 2009, I could easily have like five figure followers by now easily, easily. But, um, I just like fuck the shit. So anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, make sure you follow BMO on, on, at BMO Brown on Instagram and Twitter and on uh, Instagram at Wake and Bake with BMO. Please make sure you like and subscribe and follow uh, the Wake and Bake with BMO uh, show yep. Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8 a.m.-ish. Yep. 8.30. Follow that notification bell. You got to hit notification you the notification bell, you're going to know. Um, oh, and then man. also make sure that you follow all the Fly Kids on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I am doing a rebranding. You can also <laughs> follow me or you can follow me. I ain't really doing a lot of shit right now, but once I start getting busy again, it'll be interesting, but you can follow me. So by the time I get started, you already be following me. So then you already be in the loop, you know, but leaving that there, it's Friday night. I'm sure some of y'all are out turning up. I got my, uh Bayesian rum that I'm drinking and, um, you know, some fine, it's called cock and it's a five-star fine run from a product of barbados um this ain't no mount gay even though mount gay is good but this shit this shit is like that for some rum and i like rum now this is this this is some bomb ass rum but anyway it's gonna be my friday night we'll turn on a movie watch something yeah. um i don't know what y'all got going on bmo um i guess y'all going to you know have a night in as well no I'm 32. <laughs> I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> i ain't gonna tell you what I was doing when I was 32. I was still, I was still in the streets.
1: <laughs> another, another episode. I want another episode: chaos and culture, Geronimo in the streets. <laughs> That's what I want to know.
0: I can tell that story. I can tell that story. Um, it's a story that a lot of people I've talked about on another podcast. My boy Amon, Focus up in New York with his his podcast, New York Sid. Uh, I've talked about some of the things I've done. I haven't gone as in depth. I didn't go super in depth, but I, I've done a lot of things. I've been a lot of places. I've been around a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've been around some famous people. I've been around some some shady characters. I've I've I have had a very eventful, colorful life, mm-hmm. um, from the age of fourteen up to this point. So um, we could talk about that. I'm, right. I'm I'm down to to give that uh that 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 discussion that leads up to the book that I may write one day about my life. I got it. I got it. I gotta uh I gotta make it first so people actually wanna read that shit about me. <laughs> for sure.
1: Well, you got you know? one buyer. I got you. <laughs> I, appreciate,
0: I appreciate you as always. All right. So we're gonna go ahead and call it a show. Uh stay tuned for the next episode. Um when we figure out what that is. But it will be next week. <laughs> same bad time, same bad channel. Yep. All right, y'all. Peace.
1: Peace, man.